As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you as always. And today, we are not on video. This is the first time this year that we are not on video. Unfortunately, this week, it is a uh, just a loaded week of stuff that we have to do, getting ready for basketball season, as well as dealing uh, with everything going on with football. So... Uh, We are going to do this one today. It is going to just be the audio edition of the podcast, uh, but we will be back. Recap next week will be on camera, and then all the regular season editions that we can do on camera going forward, uh, we will be doing on camera. So uh, we're hoping to bring you every other one during the regular season, and if the Tar Heels make a bowl game, also bring you that one on camera uh, moving forward. So this isn't permanent, but it is what we are doing here today for our preview of the game against Wake Forest. We're going to get into that in a minute. We'll, of course, run through, give you the history of the series between Carolina and Wake Forest. We'll tell you a little bit about this year's matchup, this Wake Forest team that's coming in, which is arguably the best in their program's history. Um, And at this point, I don't even know if it's arguably. They are having an unbelievable season, reaching heights they've never reached before. Carolina's going to bring them in on Saturday. And then uh, we'll, of course, give you our official predictions, keys to the game, all that great stuff. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll then hit some closing notes on the way out. But first, we do have to talk about two more transfers on Tuesday. You had Emery Simmons at wide receiver enter the transfer portal. So the second wide receiver in the last couple of weeks to enter the transfer portal. And Christian Varner, the second defensive lineman to enter the transfer portal in the last couple of weeks. Clearly the one that you have to start with here, because the one that is the bigger story of the two, 
is Emory Simmons. He played 324 snaps this year for Carolina. He started six games for the Tar Heels, did not start the last game that he played in, which was the game against Miami. Justin Olsen got that start. But he was still a guy that played a pretty significant role for Carolina a year ago as well. And now he is in the transfer portal. But I think that both of us can agree, not the most shocking uh, guy to enter the transfer portal. No, the thing that was the most shocking is when it came. We anticipated this move during the bye week. That didn't happen. Um, we go to South Bend, lose to Notre Dame. Not a lot of Emory Simmons on the field. He comes back and is now in the portal. Did not play a single snap against Notre Dame. Um, and so it, I think this was a mutual decision that it's from, from Carolina. Look, it's not working out. And we know from him – his frustrations, his family's frustrations within the, his use in the offense. This is what was best for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina needs to address the wide receiver position themselves in the portal, and something that we'll probably see them do in the offseason. You've got some Definitely. young talent uh, on the roster. But this was what was needed at the time, um, and I think they showed last week that they can move the football in other ways without having to throw the ball to Josh Downs. That did not include Emory Simmons. So as they try to make a stretch run at making a bowl game, and that's going to be a daunting task these last four games, um, they, they need to be as focused as they can be, as bought in with the guys that are on the roster as they can be, and Emory Simmons wasn't bought in. It was time to move on. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I noticed, one of the weirdest things about it, is this is now the second guy that the week before he ends up entering entering the transfer portal, he doesn't play a single snap. Joffrey Brown was in the same situation when they played Miami. Didn't yep. play a single snap. That's kind of telling. So I guess keep an eye on that with some of the other ones. But I think they're I think they're done at wide receiver for sure. There were some people that are like, well, maybe Anton Green. I don't think Anton Green's going anyway. I think he showed the other night that he's probably their best hope at wide receiver of getting something going, and I think that he's going to stick it out. And I think he'll play a pretty big role going down the stretch for Carolina. Um, you know, Justin Olsen did some nice things early on in the game, uh, and I think that they're they're content with him being the starter. And I think what this does is this opens the door for – more J.J. Jones. Now, if you put him out there, it's going to make a lot more sense where before people would say, well, where's Emory Simmons? He's a guy that's been here for a while. Why isn't he playing the reps that J.J. Jones is getting? Now, I think that opens the door for you to see more of them going forward and maybe even some more of these you know, the, the athletic tight end set that we saw the other night, maybe more Bryson Nesbitt going forward. So I think this allows Carolina to do some creative things with their passing game. Yeah, and I think it was something that they needed. I think they needed to get more creative. They need to evolve the way they want to throw the football um, because these, these, these teams that you're going to play, they're going to be um, – they have a better chance of taking away Josh Downs than some of the other teams you faced this year. Um, I think Bryson Nesbitt showed the other night he can be a productive player this year. You know what you got in Kamari Morales? Anton Green's a guy that if he's healthy, he has the potential to be a productive player. He's shown that from times this season. So it's about forcing your hand, knowing who you got, what you got to work with, and now Phil Longo knows, okay, these are the guys that I got. Here's how I'm going to build my game plan around those guys in the passing game. Now I will say this, the depth at wide receiver is not – quite as deep as it once was and I I wouldn't say it's concerning but it's it is 
quickly it has thinned out just a little bit. But I still think that they're in a good spot. Recruiting-wise, you're bringing in another slot receiver. You're recruiting a guy on the outside that we are going to have news on at the end of the pod. Closing notes, there is a note that I do have to throw out there about one of their biggest targets remaining in the 22 class. So I, I think that, like you said, the transfer portal is going to have to be something that Carolina uses this offseason. We know that just in general on the roster, but I think wide receiver is a spot that they have to take a look at, which to me is, I, I mean, a complete 180 from what we thought heading into the season. We thought they would almost not miss a beat yeah, and just keep on going, and now they're going to have to probably look in the portal for some wide receivers. Uh, at, on the defensive line, not really concerned with Varner. Um, I mean, look, he's a guy that the staff said they saw some good things from this year, and that was encouraging. He played 41 snaps this year, uh, most of them early on in the season. His two tackles came in the game against Virginia Tech. So he showed some some good things, but I think this is just him looking at what the depth chart looks like. Like, this is, you've lost two guys on the defensive line, and I think there is absolutely no reason for concern because, one, these are not guys that are playing huge reps for you. And two, the depth right now that Carolina has on that defensive line is crazy. I mean, you're talking about, even still, they lose these two guys. You may say, well, what rotational pieces do they still have at that spot? Well, you still got Javari Ritzy, who's played a little bit inside. Yep. You've still got Jaleel Taylor, who's there. And most people forget Kedrick Bingley-Jones is still there. So this is... I don't think Varner is as big of a loss, or I don't think Varner or Clyde Pinder are really that big of a loss for this team. I think that's more of just a numbers game where they look and see that Travis Shaw is coming in as well next year, and they know that this is just going to be tough sledding for him. Yeah, if Christian Varner is going to be viewed as a big loss for this defensive line, that's a problem. Um, we're talking about a guy who was making a play once in every twenty snaps, two snap or two tackles and forty one snaps. Carolina needs to get more talent. They need to get more production, and sometimes you can get more with less. You've got to fill out um, some roster spots. You're bringing in a five star defensive tackle. Um, you don't need a guy like Christian Varner just there taking up space. Let the kid go, transfer somewhere he can be an, a, 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 an impact player. And, and make himself out of something because it wasn't going to happen here at Carolina. And I think it's just something that uh, – I think that's just – that's one thing Mac Brown and his staff, they've been very good at, is they've been proactive in helping these kids when they want to transfer. They're not – that's not yep. viewed as a negative thing, um, whereas other programs it is viewed more as, as, a, as a negative thing. So they've, they've handled this very well. They've just been very lucky that none of the losses to the portal have been very damning in terms of their roster. I mean, look, you know, Simmons and, and, and Brown – are not the easiest to swallow because they are guys that have started games for you at wide receiver. But yeah, I think for the most part, they've avoided any major losses, especially on the defensive side of the football. And yeah, I think that there were a lot of people that are questioning. I saw this question on the article when I posted it last night. Why are these guys entering the transfer portal midseason? Folks, this is encouraged by the staff. They have said this multiple times that... If you're going to enter the portal, we want you to do it now so that we as a staff can help you find your destination. You'll have more options yourself. And 
we will be able to assess where our roster is at and what areas we need to either be able to add recruits at or right. add transfers at. So this is a good thing. That's the thing that people need to realize with this is if these guys are looking to move on, it's better that they're doing it now than waiting till the end of the season, which would put you inside of a month before the early signing period. So it's it's not something you need to be overly concerned about. Something you may be a little bit concerned about, and you probably should be, is that Carolina welcomes in one of the top teams in the country on Saturday afternoon. Tarios will play the number nine Wake Forest Demon Deacons. That's where the Deacons ranked in the first college football playoff ranking that was revealed last night. Uh, that created a stir. Not really. I didn't really notice much with Wake Forest. I think most people kind of felt that was a good spot for them. Um, but this is this is a chance for Carolina uh, to pull an upset. Yeah. And I think that we did not think this would be the position that they would be in. I don't think that we thought that Wake couldn't be 8-0. Their schedule set up where they could be 8-0. But we thought Carolina would be right there with them. Um not not the case. Carolina's no. four and four. Somehow they are still favored in this game. I don't really understand how that's even possible. Uh, the only thing I could think, the game's at home, and maybe it's the all-time series. This is the 109th meeting between these two teams. Carolina owns a 70-36-2 edge over the Demon Deacons. So this is an opponent that they've had a lot of success against historically. Of course, they won last year's meeting. <laughs> that was that was one of the more negative podcasts that we did a year ago, which, looking back on it, can we go back to those times? When they won the game against <laughs> Wake Forest 59-53, to and we were saying, this defense looks really, really bad. Well, now we're a year later, and we're in the same exact spot. I think the biggest question coming into this game is do they allow less than the 53 points they allowed last year to the Demon Deacons in this game? I think there's a good chance they can allow more. By uh, halftime. No, I'm kidding. No, because not, not that crazy. But this, this Wake Forest offense, they lost Kenneth Walker. He's at Michigan State doing big-time stuff. By then, the way, how good would that offense be if they still had him? Would, oh, my God. It would God. be amazing. Um, and they haven't, they haven't missed a beat. Sam Hartman has been immaculate at the quarterback position. Yes, he has. Um, he, 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 does, he is deserving of the Heisman, of, of Heisman talk. He has a chance these next couple weeks to really thrust his name into that uh, in the, into that discussion last when we when we recapped the Notre Dame game I said that you know Carolina should try to emulate what Notre Dame has built under Brian Kelly maybe that was far-fetched but what Notre Dame or what Wake Forest is Carolina should try to emulate that Dave Clawson has built a program that is respected you've got tough kids both mentally and physically they're a well-coached football team they're not going to beat themselves and they just go out there and they win and this team um They've, 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 they've really turned it on the last month or so. They can put up points in a hurry. Just ask Army. They scored 70 points in 18 freaking minutes <laughs> against Army, and that was not against Jay Bates. That, un- that was unbelievable. Um, and, and so this is going to be a test. Wake Forest has so much to play for. So they're going to come in motivated. Right. They view us as a rival. The, 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 the four fans that they have, they view us as a rival. They're going to hey, come in motivated. 40. Um, and so it's something that if, look, they beat you two years ago, they should have beat you last year. They're not going to come in intimidated 
but when they come to Chapel Hill on Saturday. They're going to come in expecting to beat you, and they're very well capable of doing just that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there's there's an element to this game that I think we definitely have to talk about, and we can talk about it coming up. But one thing that is important to remember about this game, for if you're an ACC person, it's for both sides. Just for Carolina fans, remember, this is not a conference game. And thankfully, this is the second of the two games that they schedule for the home-and-home. You mentioned the first one, which was two years ago. That was on the road at Wake Forest early in the season. Remember, Sam Howe gets benched in that game. Jace Reuter comes in. Sam Howe comes back in the second half, almost leads Carolina back. The secondary could not stop Sage Surratt in that game. Uh, last year, it was Jacory Roberson, who is active. So that's the guy that they've got to watch this year. Yep. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's going to be the challenge once again this year. But luckily, the non-conference thing, that is that is over after this, at least for now. Um, and, and that is the good news, so you won't have any more of that confusion going ahead. As you said, this team is legit. Like, there are some people wondering, well, how good really is this Wake Forest team? I know that they haven't played the greatest schedule, but as you mentioned, This offense is nuts. They're averaging 43.4 points per game, 495.5 total yards per game, 311.5 passing yards per game, and they're still running the ball for 184 yards per game. So all the numbers for them on offense are nuts. They're some of the best in the country. Defensively, not bad. 23.9 points per game, but they are allowing some yards. 422.1 total yards allowed per game, 219.8 passing yards per game, which is not bad. That's not really the issue. The issue is their run defense. They're allowing 202.4 rushing yards per game. That's the area that Carolina has to be able to take advantage of in this game. They played a team earlier in the year that wasn't that great against the run, and they had success in that game against Virginia. Since then, though, even when they play teams that have struggled to stop the run, they haven't been able to do that. We've seen a couple of nice moments from Ty Chandler the last couple of weeks. Carolina's got to be able to take advantage of that run defense in this game. Sam Howell's going to be a part of that, but you need your running backs to step up and play well in your offensive line to get some push. Well, that's where it starts. If Carolina can hold their own... At the line of scrimmage, they've got a chance. Um, if this offensive line plays down like they've done for most of the season and at times um, that we've seen them, especially at home, then it, you're going to put the ball back in Sam Howell's hands and you you have limited offensive weapons, as we've talked about really the, for the majority of the season. And here's the thing. This is probably, what, the second, third, Maybe fourth time in his entire career, Sam Howell's not going to be the best quarterback on the field on Saturday. Like, the dude he's going against is playing at an even higher level and is going to match, every, can match and can exceed everything that Sam Howell is going to do. So you've got to be able to run the football because Wake right. Forest, they have dudes that they can throw the football well, to. Well, that's their weakness, too. Like, look, you can debate all you want. Sam versus Sam. Like, I think both of these guys are extremely talented. I think both guys do a lot of really good things. But with what Wake Forest weakness is, you can't, your game plan should not be let's go in and throw the ball 50 times. And to to Phil Longo's credit, 
we haven't really seen a game like that this year. I think he realized first game of the year against Virginia Tech, that's not that's never going to be an option for this team. I'll say this, against Notre Dame, that offensive line showed some signs against a good Notre Dame front. They they held their own at times, but there were other times where Notre Dame was able to wreak some havoc and get into the backfield. This Wake Forest team, statistically in terms of sacks, it's an aggressive defense. They will be able to get into the backfield. So you need this offensive line to step up once again. And like I said, they did it in a game earlier in the year that they knew they had to have. You're starting to get to the point where you're looking at these games and saying, man, I know this is a team that's ranked ninth in the country that's undefeated. But again, we've talked about it. There are four games left in the season. We are considering Wofford a win. One of the other three, you have to get a win in if you want to go bowling, most likely. There's so many bowl games that maybe you get into one and five and seven, but even then, that's not real. That's, I mean, you'd go just to get the extra practices and everything like that, but you want to get to six and six and make sure you're in a bowl game. So to do that, you've got to win one of these games. The offensive line's got to know that 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 the pressure is on, and this is a weakness for this team. Yeah, and you know Mac Brown is telling his guys, we can still win a state championship if we beat Wake Forest. They've already taken down Duke. You beat Wake, then you got NC State, and that means a lot. And even though he's not going to publicly say this, um, Carolina's got to find a way to salvage this season because this season's been an absolute failure. You beat a top-10 team at home, in a lot of ways you're going to salvage – what you have failed to do this season. So there's going to be motivation. You add in the homecoming factor. There's going to be some emotions in in the stands on Saturday. And so you've got to find a way to build off of the positive stuff you did last week on offense. Because the offense, as I mentioned, that was maybe the best game plan we've seen from Phil Longo all year. I I think so. Um, I really do. and, And defensively, this is a game where if you give up 44 points and Mac Brown says, I like the effort, well, he might not be lying this time because they are more than capable of giving up 70. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's the big concern. And, I, I, I mean, look, with their offense, they are not at a loss for weapons. I mean, clearly, as you talked about with Sam with Sam, Howe, Sam Hartman, uh, I mean, he's a fantastic player. 24-75 uh, through the air. 22 touchdowns, three interceptions. Also has 208 rushing yards and six touchdowns. This this dude, that's a Heisman stat line. Yep. But then the guys around him, at wide receiver, remember the guy we were just talking about a minute ago that gave Carolina a lot of issues a year ago, Jakari Roberson is back. He's having a heck of a year as well, 43 catches, 737 yards, six touchdowns. A.T. Perry is a guy that stepped up with the injury to Donovan Green who they thought was a pretty big loss for them early in the season. Perry's been fantastic. 36 catches, 716 yards, 8 touchdowns. And then in the backfield, you're talking about three guys that can carry the ball against you and cause problems for you. And this run defense is starting to fall apart a little bit. That is the most concerning part for me. Because early in the year, so... They've struggled throughout the year, but one of the big things early on in the season was it was the quarterbacks, the mobile quarterbacks that killed you on the ground. Like against Georgia Tech, 
it, Jameer well, Gibbs really didn't kill you. Because they, they didn't prepare for it. And yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but Jeff Sims was the one that hurt you. Now you're getting to the point. The last two weeks or two games, I said that's I'm going to keep doing it. The last two games, you had Jalen Knighton of Miami who came in in the second half. wasn't even their starter, by the way. Came in, ran all over you in the second half last week against Kyron Williams. Almost all of his production came in the second half against you. So Carolina's got to figure out how to stop these guys because they're a three-headed monster. You got Christian Beal-Smith, 492 yards, seven touchdowns. Christian Turner, 317 yards, three touchdowns. And Justice Ellison, 340 yards, four touchdowns. I'm concerned about the passing game. No lie. But I'm more, I, I am really starting to get concerned about some of these teams that have good running backs that they will be able to cause some real issues for the Tar Heels. Well, this is the best offense Carolina has seen this year, right? No doubt. No, I don't. I mean, look, Virginia had a good offense, but, but the problem is, is better. Virginia couldn't run the football. And, this offense can run it and pass it. And, and the thing is, is okay, if Virginia's the second best offense, you gave up 39 to Virginia. You gave up 35 to Florida State. You gave up 42 to Miami. And you gave up 44 to Notre Dame just a week ago. You've had a hard time containing either above average or just mediocre offenses. This is the best offense you're going to see the entire year. It's one of the best offenses in the country. So you've got your work cut out for you. And there's no reason to believe we're capable of stopping them. Didn't stop them last year. They gave up 53 to them last year. This offense may be better than the offense that they had last year. So now you've got and to And your find, defense is worse. And you've got to find a way to to minimize or, or, or whatever because they're going to score. Yeah, this has the feeling of a Larry Fedora defense game where there were games where they would hold opponents to low 30s and you felt good because they made a couple of timely stops that's the point that you've got to get to with this team in this game yep I feel like this is one of those games like last year if you're going to win this game your offense better be ready to go and ready to score this will be a big 12 shootout in the ACC yeah Yeah. no I'm I'm with you I I, 100% I think the first one to 45 wins And I think they could get back into the 50s. And I really think it, it could get that. It wouldn't surprise me if Wake Forest got into the 50s. And the thing for Carolina, they've got they've got to be, well, as we talked about, run the football is important, but when they do drop back to pass, they've got to keep these pass rushers off of Sam Howell. You've got a lot of really talented guys that have had really good years def- on that defensive line yep. with uh, Rondell uh, Bothroyd. Four sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss. Uh, Luigi Villian, uh, which is, I, I believe he's, yeah, he's a Michigan transfer. I remember that name from from the recruiting realms. Talented kid, and he's got a pretty good season going. 20 ta- total tackles, four and a half for a loss, three and a half sacks. Miles Fox, who is a transfer from Old Dominion. Uh, in his second year, I believe, with Wake Forest, 19 total tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. And then you're talking about their linebackers. A lot of their guys have have a pretty decent sack number. They've got guys that can create turnovers. 
So this is still a good defense. Yep. The thing is, the last couple of weeks, it's become more and more obvious that you can run on them. So that's where Carolina's got to get to. But yes, this is a game where your offense has to be locked in and ready to go. You have got to be ready to put up points because if you're not, then it's going to be a long day for you. Yep. So, uh, look, we'll come back, take a look at the keys to the game, uh, also official predictions, and then we have a, a closing note to get out of here on. But first, we have to let you hear from our sponsor, DraftKings. And as I mentioned, we'll come right back after that. Stick with us here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We'll be back to the Heel Tough Blog Podcast after this message from DraftKings. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this weekend? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bet. Winner, winner, chicken parm dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, guys. Welcome back in. Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe, not on camera. Luckily for you guys, only audio this week. I know people, people have seemed to take very well to the video editions of the podcast. I'm going to be honest. That's a lie. I don't know why we are not we're not models. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm pulling off my Tony uh, off of my Soprano shirt today though. The, I, I'm going to admit I am a little crushed that we did not do it on camera for that reason. I think people would have generally uh, uh, genuinely appreciated that. Although I did wear a French shirt last year, no one really noticed. We've also I believe both of us have worn a Game of Thrones shirts on the podcast as well. People, people really are just, they're focused on the talk, right? I think what it is, they put the video on and they say, man, these two these two sons are so ugly, we got to put this thing down. Talk about yourself. I've gotten DMs from women commenting on how handsome I look on said pod, complaining about the Tar Heels. Did they also put a link in there for you to click Maybe. for one night? <laughs> they may have. I hate to break it to you, bud. And Those did, may be fake. And did I click that link? I did not. Good for you. Also, if you get an email from a prince in Nigeria, don't send him money. He doesn't need it. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into our keys to the game for this game against Wake Forest. That we were just breaking down a little bit for you before the break. Two of them are are very similar from from last week. I did I, the, the the first two are actually the same as they were a week ago. I just switched them around. Well, when you're a not very good football team. The keys kind of just remain the same because the same things that beat you continue to well, beat you. Well, to week be in, fair, we could list off about seventy-five keys to winning a game because it may take that many different things going. Wake Forest right. not showing up would be helpful. 
I don't think they're the Duke basketball team. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so I, I switched them. So I'll go force turnovers first. Mm. Because, again, the reason that these are similar in all seriousness, right now you're looking for upset recipes. One of the biggest things in upsets is forcing turnovers. Carolina did not force a turnover last week against Notre Dame. We knew that could be an issue if they didn't. They've got to be able to create something in this game against Wake Forest. Now, I think it's going to be harder than it was even a week ago to expect that with how well Sam Hartman's taking care of the football and how well the running backs have taken care of the football. But if you want to find a way to pull an upset, you may need a turnover or two to go your way. You don't, you may, it's not you may need, you're going to need. The problem is this. Well, if you don't, then you need a special teams play. You need a block punt. And that's not happening either. Um, the problem is, is that like with Notre Dame and Jack Cohn, and look, and I, I'm a big Jack Cohn guy. I don't, I don't understand the, the, the backlash he's gotten. I think he's a quality quarterback. He's more suspect, susceptible than Sam Hartman's going to be to make a bad play or two. Sam Hartman is is not going to beat himself because he can't afford to beat himself. That's how he's gotten him. That's how he's gotten to where he's gotten to is being really good with smart with the football, making great decisions, making great reads. The running backs aren't going to fumble. And also, if you want to force turnovers, you got to get pressure on the quarterback. Well, that's not going to happen either at the rate this defensive line's going. Yeah, there's not much confidence and, in that. And you can't really afford to blitz because then you're putting your struggling secondary on an island with uh, with a plethora of guys that are going to make plays. Definitely. So you're basically you're asking for a prayer and hoping it gets answered. Yeah, and I mean, look, I think the element of this that that I was I was mentioning earlier that we haven't talked about yet, and I think this is a good spot to talk about it, is look... Does this game mean more to Wake Forest? No doubt in my mind it means more to Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Does Wake Forest have more pressure than Carolina has in this game? By far. This is the best that they have ever been in their program's history. Ever. They... That threw me off right <laughs> there. What was that? I was just... That was awful. I was just going... Save your... Hey... Watch your Big Deke energy over there. Oh, I'm about to go full Big Deke energy. Watch it. Um, but they are going to be feeling the pressure for sure down the stretch of this season because, look, they've gotten the easy part of their schedule out of the way. Now you're hitting this four-game stretch at the end of the season where people are expecting that you are going to trip up somewhere. You've never been here before. So it's understandable if it happens. And this is a team that, look, they there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If this team wants to have even a chance to play in the college football playoff, they have to go undefeated. Yep. There is no – and to be honest, if things break the right way, they may have to win out just to make the ACC championship game yep. still. So that's the thing is that they have a lot of pressure on them. So that that's what I think Carolina has to feed off of and, and realize is that you don't have the most pressure on you. Is there still pressure to perform? For sure. You came in with such huge expectations this season. But you're at a point now where people realize you're not living up to those expectations. Wake Forest now has reset their expectations and people are expecting them to run the table. There are a lot of people that believe if they get through this weekend, 
they will run the table the rest of the way. So that's I, I think that's going to be an element of this game that has to be taken into account. Oh yeah, no doubt. This this game means more to Wake Forest. There's more there's there's for Wake Forest there's more to gain and there's more to lose. Yep. Carolina, you're just fighting to make a bowl game. And that's 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 all you've got to gain. Well, hey, there is a way they could still make the ACC that's championship not, game that's in not the most unrealistic scenario. We're not even going ever. to entertain that because it's it's not happening. I mean, yeah, but it's it is still something you are playing for legitimately. You would have, I mean, so many you're, different things you're have to go right to make a bowl game. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that, but. Yeah, what I'm saying is there is still a very thin chance, but it's just it's it would take so much happening for you. Like, look, it right now it's at one percent. I don't even know how it's at one percent. How is it not below one percent that you win the coastal? Wake Forest, they are in the driver's seat. They are a team that if they can win out, it's tough to see them getting into the playoff. Committee's never left out an undefeated conference champion from the Power Five. That is true, though. And the other thing is is that look at the teams in front of them. Some of those teams are going to start eating themselves up because you've got three Big Ten East teams, not just Big Ten teams. You've got, trying to think who all is ahead of them. I mean, since two SEC teams. Two SEC teams that are ahead of them. Most people believe that if Alabama was to lose to Georgia, they would pretty much be yes. out. So, they, I mean, there is a still a scenario where Wake Forest can make the playoffs. So, while Carolina still has a very finite chance to make the ACC championship game, Wake Forest is playing for so much. It is right in front of Wake Forest. They almost have it in their hands where Carolina is just, well, you know, we're, if we win out and it happens, then great. We could win out and still can't, still might not make it. So that's that's the point that these programs are at right now. Yeah, you got to hope Wake Forest has happened to them what happened to you last year at, at Florida State. They get caught up in the moment. They get caught up in the hype. Everyone's patting them on their back after coming in ninth in the AP poll. The Coastal Playoff Committee followed that up by putting them ninth in the in the playoff rankings, which everyone was, everyone thought that was high. I thought they were going to be in the teens myself. They cracked the top ten, giving them a pathway to legitimately make the playoff if they run the table and go undefeated. So you got to hope that the first time being there and all that stuff is going to factor into this. The problem is this. They're just a well-coached football team. And if, if there's a coach in the conference that can get his team to block out the noise, it's Dave Clawson. I mean, I get that, but I think also, I mean, look at the type of season that college football has had in general. This could be a game similar to one that you saw earlier this year with another well-coached football team. Now, their offense, not good. Kirk Ferentz does a tremendous job at Iowa. That team got beat by Purdue which was a game that some people circled and thought could be an upset. So that's that's the thing that you've got to kind of watch here. And there is a look at it. Hey, hey, we're favored, so this isn't an upset. I mean, I don't I, – I still – that blows my mind FPI how they are FPI and Vegas favored. both lean Carolina, so it's not an upset. I didn't even look at the FPI. You're, you're kidding me. No. Oh, yeah. my God. FPI gives Carolina a 54.9% chance to win on Saturday afternoon. I'm just – I'm not getting that. Like, I definitely think there is – They've got There is a BDE. chance. 
But I'm not... That makes no sense. And look, the FBI is supposed to be this mathematical formula. What mathematical formula has an 8-0 team as the underdog to a 4-4 four and four team? I've never seen that in my life. I, that, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But in, the, in Carolina's mind, you can't worry about any of that. You have to look at this as we are the underdogs here. We're the team that is going to come in with a chance to pull the upset. And that, I mean, and, and again, so one of the other keys is you got to limit mistakes. We talked about it a week ago. They didn't do it. You've got to limit the turnovers. Carolina turned it over one time, but it was an important turnover. Costly turnover. As you mentioned, even more costly were the penalties. Nine for 75. You, this has got to be something that is corrected. Well, it's not going to be corrected going forward. Season. That's, that's something... You well, it's got to be limited then. You you cannot get to that nine or double-digit mark in this game. If you do, you will not have a chance in this football game. The issue is the only way you're going to limit it is if you bench players for committing penalties. And especially on the defensive side of the football, you really can't afford to do that because the guys that are playing behind you, well, they're not as good as the guys that are on the field. And those guys aren't very good either. So that's, that's the problem is that Limiting the mistakes, I, I think you can trust Carolina not from the football over because I think Sam Howell, if he could go back, he doesn't make the throw. And it's not like he's had turnover issues all, all that. This that year. also looked like a misread. I think him and him and Downs, he thought Downs was going to break inside. Downs didn't. So, But with the penalties, look, that's a lost cause. They're going to commit stupid penalties because they're not a well-coached football team. They're not a disciplined football team. And that starts with the head coach. Yeah, and I mean, it, but if they are going to win this game, Again, it's not going to be you have to completely cut them out. But you, here's my thing. The worst part of them the other night wasn't even the offensive penalties because your offense bailed you out a couple of times where you got them into longer situations. This is now two weeks in a row where you have taken countless penalties that have resulted in first downs. There were seven penalties. Yep. First downs off of penalties against Miami. There were four first downs off of penalties against Notre Dame. Good Those defenses, have to be eliminated. Good defenses have a hard time overcoming that. You're a bad defense. You're making it even harder on yourselves to yes, overcome that. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's the thing. You, you, you have so many chances to get off the field or at least help yourself get off the field, and you give them free first downs. It can't happen in this game, especially against an offense that if you find a way to stop them, you might want to consider that a miracle. If you give them a first down off of that, I may blow a a vein in my head in the stands because that just it, it, it cannot happen in a game like this. My last key to the game, now this is different. I do think that Sam Howell, I said last week, Sam has to have a big game. I think that's the case here as well. I think one of the bigger keys in this game, though, is they have to feed off the home environment. Is there going to be a home environment to feed I, off of? I think there will. Wofford, no. I think that any chance that that game was going to have an environment no- noon, is out the window. Noon kick, oh, chilly day in Chapel Hill for a 4-4 four and four football team. But you're playing a team that's ranked in the top 10. The one thing that I wonder is how many Wake fans are going to be there. I think there will be a decent amount of Wake fans there. All four of them are going to be there. But in all seriousness, they have started to fill that stadium up. 
better and better as the season's gone along as they've they they've started to realize they, Dave Clawson has has really done a tremendous job with that as well establishing that fan base and bringing them back to watch games because the team is worth watching now you wonder if some of those travel but look I still think there is going to be a home environment I do think that it is homecoming I think there will be the student section they have shown up for every game I think they will be there again for this game. I think there will be Don't an tell environment. Ross Martin that they've showed up for every game. Well, yeah, R- Ross. Ross got himself in some real hot water. That Ross has really been. Uh, he has really been poking at the fans here these uh, these last couple of weeks. They have not been so happy with uh, one of Inside Carolina's best. But uh, I do think there will be an environment, and they have to feed off of that. This is last week. You were on the road in a hostile environment. And offensively, you put up a few, gave yourself a chance to win that game with the way your offense played. You need to do that again this week, but this week you're at home. Feed off of the environment that's going to be there because the environments of these that Carolina can provide sometimes, those are the types of environments that can cause issues for teams that are feeling a little bit of pressure like Wake Forest is at this point in the season. That is what you have to do in this game to try to establish a little bit of confidence in yourself on the field and be able to pull this upset. Yeah, I know Mac Brown pleaded to have fans fill the stadium on Saturday. Um, the best way to do that is to win, and he hasn't done that this year. Hopefully there is a good crowd because it is homecoming, um, and that's usually Carolina is still one of the, the rare schools that they, they value that and they make a big deal out of that. Um Look, they need all the help they can get to win this football game. And if if, if, a, if a home Definitely. crowd's going to be a part of it, then 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 so be it. I don't think Wake Forest is going to be shell shocked. They've played in Keenan Stadium before. I'm not saying they're going to be shell shocked. I don't. I don't think that's going to be a determining factor if Carolina wins or loses this game. I mean, I don't think it's going to be. This is not going to be Miami 2019 Keenan Stadium. It's it's not going to be that level. But I do think that if there are are fans there, which is is a question. I'm really hoping fans do do show up because this is still offensively, this is still a team that can do some exciting things. Like you should want to be in the stands to watch Josh Downs and to watch what maybe the end of Sam Howell here at Carolina. Those are the things that you should be excited about. And you're welcoming in a top ten team. This is this is a legitimate reason to show up and be excited because look at what's happened around the rest of college football this year. Upsets have been as frequent as we've seen in a long, long time. So it is possible having a good environment can help. I don't think they'd be intimidated by it, but you never really know. I mean, you don't know what affects these teams, especially when they're in the mind when they have pressure on them. So, I mean, look at last year. Carolina came into that game against Florida State. That was a what half-filled, twenty-five percent-filled stadium, and that environment seemed to throw them off a little bit because it was the first time they'd seen an environment like that. This is the one thing to this point. What's the best environment that wakes wakes been to? Let's not act. Let's put some respect on uh, Army's environment. Because you want to disrespect the see, soldiers of see, America? This is the thing. You go ahead. This is the thing. You are being sarcastic. But Army 
they do actually have a legitimate that what on campus. It's not it's not as good as when they play the Army Navy game. That game is crazy. But the cadets, they really do provide a good environment. They do. It is it is it's it's very interesting to watch their games. My dad, frequent watcher of the Army Black Knights, loves them. Um <laughs> Syracuse, tough environment. Tough and what's tough about Syracuse's environment? You play the, in a dome. the fact that your snap calls ring off the sidewalls of the stadium because there's no one there. The difference between Wake Forest coming into our stadium and when we went to Wake Forest or Florida State last year. Dave Clawson is going to have his team much more predator prepared for that moment. Okay. And and I'm not knocking I'm not knocking Dave Clawson. Put some respect on Dave Clawson's name. I think that but, AKA but we can agree that Wake Forest is in a different spot even than Carolina was a year ago in terms of pressure. Carolina that was still early in the season. That was bef- was that right before Ohio State had even began their season? I don't know. Or if it wasn't, Ohio State was playing their first game that week. Last this year was is, last year. This, um, we're focused on this year. That didn't answer my question. And the now. That didn't answer my question. Quit moving goalposts. Do you not agree that Wake Forest, where they're at in the season right now, has more pressure than where Carolina was at last year? Yes, but they're also a better football team than Carolina was last year. That wasn't the question, though. The question was pressure. And I, you answered my question. I did. Thank you. So let's go to our official predictions for this game. I will let you start off because I want you to continue to be angry about what you think my pick is going to be in this game. My my heart wants to tell me Carolina can win the game. It want it wants to tell me. I don't think it, but my heart wants to tell me Carolina's going to win. I've watched Wake Forest. I've watched North Carolina enough to have a very good opinion of both teams. Good for you. Um, Wake Forest is a better football team. They've got the better head coach. That's a bold, that's a bold statement. But, um, um, <laughs> they've got the better quarterback as of today. They've got the better offense. Their defense is more likely to stop our offense, and our defense is likely to stop their offense. Uh, yes. It's it's going to be a fun game if you like points. But I... I yeah, take the over. I, I, think, I think Wake Forest wins. I think they seize the moment because they... They, they still... They still are underappreciated nationally. They're still underappreciated even locally. Um, coming in as an underdog, the FBI telling them, hey, you're not going to win the game. Dave Clawson is telling his team that. No one's buying in. No one's buying in. We're 8-0, but we haven't done anything yet. Here's our chance. In-state rival. Um, it's going to be on national television. You're going to be one of the more watched games in that 12 o'clock time slot. I think they're going to be ready to put on a show. I think they win... 45-35 in Keenan Stadium. Okay. This is a very interesting spot. Everything you just said, especially at the end there, is 100% true. This game is going to be one of the more focused on games of that 12 o'clock slot for sure. Because I feel like a lot of people look at this game and see this as a potential trap game. And the, and it's for good reason. Look ahead to what they have next. That's the game against NC State. You may say, well, are they really... I mean, how good really is NC State? I mean, they're 6-2. and two. They're a team that clearly is much better at home than they are on the road. 
Carolina can relate to that. But I still think that there's a chance NC State wins this weekend. If Wake Forest wins this weekend, that will then set up a game that could very well host college game day. And last year they hosted college game day when they played Clemson. That was because Clemson was in town. That had nothing to do with the fact that they felt Wake could pull that upset. This year it would be two teams probably figuring out who's going to the ACC championship game and who could be the favorite in the ACC championship game. And yes, with NC State being involved, that would make me sick to my stomach. But I wonder if there is a look-ahead factor to this game a little bit for Wake Forest combining with the pressure going on the road to play against the Tar Heels. Sam Howell, he looks at these opportunities and knows... Just go ahead and pick the Tar Heels. That these are going to be... Just go ahead and Tar Heel up potentially and, and pick his a, and pick a, and pick last up. chances to leave a legacy at Carolina. I'm with you. I think the points are going to be off the charts in this game. I think combined, these two teams may stop each other six or seven times mm. in the game. If that, that might even be high. <sighs> this is this is tough because I I. I think Carolina has a great opportunity here. But I just, I don't know how much I trust that Jay Bateman defense. I I just... Do it. I feel like if this was Larry Fedora, no doubt I'd pick this as a loss because I think they'd play it close and lose the game. I think that Mack Brown is a better head coach than Larry Fedora was. He gives them a much better opportunity to finish a game off like this I can't do it, though. I I can't. I think Wake Forest wins 55-52. I think it's an unbelievable game. I think Carolina has a heck of an opportunity at their hands late. But I just, I cannot put any trust in this Jay Bateman defense. I'm proud of you. Right now to get it done. I and I think 14 years, honestly, my respect. after this game, everybody in the fan base should be sold on firing Jay Bateman. If you're not already sold on firing Jay Bateman, this will be the one. fire you from the fan because base. Because I truly believe they will lead coming into the final drive and get beat. Because this defense sucks. It does. I, and, and I don't know. It's, it, it hurts, but I have to go that way. So we'll go to the closing notes. Uh, one thing, The one thing that I did want to touch on here is Andre Green Jr., the four-star wide receiver out of the state of Virginia. He is going to make his announcement. He announced that actually the day of recording today on Wednesday. This podcast uh, is going to come out on Thursday. Um, so, But he did announce, it'll be then yesterday, that he is going to make his commitment announcement on November 17th. Uh, Carolina is one of the three that are still alive. It's going to be Carolina, Clemson, and Georgia, as many expected. And this is one that's going to come down to the end. I think a lot of people feel like Carolina has a really great chance to get the job done, but Clemson is a school that changed his commitment almost immediately when they offered him a scholarship a few months ago over the summer. 
and Georgia is a team that, with how great they've been so far this year, you have to feel like there's an opportunity that they can get the job done as well. Me and Zach uh, Hubbard, we took a look at him in the Zach Rice commitment edition of the podcast. There's an interesting tidbit and something that Zach mentioned about Clemson that I think is worth noting, and I would encourage you guys to go back and listen to the podcast, but he did mention that, look, Clemson, they have the guys on the outside at wide receiver. Their problem is they don't have that slot guy. So you wonder if Andre Green Jr. realizes that, realizes he could be you know, a guy on the outside, but they have a logjam of wide receivers out there. They're really still looking for that guy in the slot. You wonder if that affects his recruitment. How does Georgia's success affect his recruitment? But Carolina still feels like they're in a pretty good spot, especially with how much damage they have done in the state of Virginia. We will have you covered on that and everything else, Carolina football, over on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. You can check out all of the stuff around the Notre Dame game. We have the recap, the stock report. All that stuff is ready for you guys. Go ahead and read that. We'll have the preview of the Wake Forest game where we go more in-depth than we even did today. Uh, we'll do team breakdowns uh, where we go in-depth, tell you, tell you about each team. We'll have this team stack comparisons, keys to the game, uh, where we go in-depth even more on those keys that we just talked about. Injury reports and projected starting lineups. All that great stuff for you guys in the preview. And then we'll have the recap. I am actually going to be driving back from the game um, this weekend, so it will not be one that will go up uh, probably that night, even though I uh, the, the game is at 12 o'clock. Um, so... Just be aware of that. It's probably still going to go up on Sunday, but you guys will be able to check that out. And then we'll have the stock report once again for you guys. We're going to carry that on all the way through the end of the season, whether Carolina goes to a bowl game or if they don't go to a bowl game. But we'll have you covered on all of those fronts. And, of course, we'll have everything you need to know on the recruiting trail as well. Andre Green Jr. will have a commitment preview. We will also have a commitment breakdown for him, whether Carolina lands him or not, where they go from there. All that kind of great stuff will be on the website coming up, so keep an eye out on that. Also, great basketball content upcoming for you guys as well. Carolina getting ready to jump into the first season with Hubert Davis on the sidelines. Carolina gets it tipped off tomorrow night. Make sure you guys are locked in tomorrow night. Elizabeth City State in the scrimmage. And then Carolina turns around on Tuesday night, welcomes in Loyola of Maryland to start the season. Brown on Friday. Josh will get you rolling and have you covered throughout the season with previews and recaps. We'll be doing a buttload of podcasts, so make sure that you guys are subscribed to all of the podcast feeds as well. Heel Tough Blog Podcast and the Four Corners Podcast. They're on all of your major platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those great spots you can check out those podcasts at. And make sure when you do, you subscribe to them so they go right in that podcast library and you can have that next edition ready to go for you when it comes out. Also, make sure you head over to the Facebook page. As we mentioned, this one's not on video, but we are planning to be on video for the rest of the football season. So make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out on that. You guys have really enjoyed those video podcasts, and we greatly appreciate that and all the comments that we've been getting as well. You guys have done a great job. We love interacting with you guys uh, in the comments section. So 
you know, keep keep up everything that you guys are doing and make sure that if you aren't a part of that page yet, you like and follow the Facebook page at Heel Tough Blog on Facebook, Twitter at Heel Tough Blog as well for the main page, me at HTB Anthony, Josh at HTB Josh, and Zach Hubbard at Hack Zubbard too. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.